I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel, hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. It's easy and totally free. Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. In this episode, we have Douglas Murray with us. He is an author, a columnist. You see him popping up on Fox News on the regular. His latest book was The War on the West, which is excellent. I actually have it here on my bookshelf, um, and he's writing for New York Post and other places. Douglas, great to have you on, sir. Hey, great to be on. So I'm sure now people ask you this occasionally, or maybe I'm I'm making an assumption I shouldn't, but how's this whole counter-movement against the war on the West going? You know what I mean? How, how is our, our counter-strike against the war on the West at this stage? Well, it's much more developed. Um, one of my... Um, one of my self-appointed tasks, uh, I always say, is to head into minefields and gleefully run across them um, in the hope that other people can traverse them more safely themselves afterwards. But I wrote about this a couple of books back in my book, The Madness of Crowds, that talked about all the social justice nonsense. I said that my self-appointed task was to do this thing that a landmine clearer does. I, I go into the areas of subjects that are really, everyone's saying you can't talk about that. And I talk about it, I write about it, and I investigate it. Um, and my hope always is that it means that other people are going to do it after. That doesn't mean I'm by any means the only person doing it. But, for instance, all the stuff I wrote about in The Madness of Crowds, um, I'm delighted to see, not least on, for instance, the trans issue, 
has just become really picked up by so many more people. Um, when I wrote about this some years ago, people were like, why are you bothering about this like fringe thing? Um, and it's very good to see that there's lots of energized people, including a lot of energized parents who are, who are understanding the significance of what's happening. Um, the latest book, The War on the West, yeah, is about this anti-Western movement, specifically the sort of anti-history movement in the West. Um, again, I think that it took some people um, time to realize, it took me time to realize what was going on that what, what we were seeing was a fundamental assault on everything in our past, you know, the good as well as the bad. It's like nobody, nobody contra, you know, the Ibrahim X Kendis and things, nobody actually wants to like not teach slavery or like not teach any child anything bad about the American past. The thing is that some of us were just like some of the good stuff to be taught as well. And, uh, and again, I mean, I see, uh, I see particularly in the last year, a, a growing momentum of people realizing this. Everywhere I go across the United States, uh, I find beleaguered but um, but nevertheless correct <laughs> Americans who, who who desperately are looking for a way to defend the things we all knew until yesterday, and not to have to go along with the lies that are being told about our past um not going along with the indoctrination of the children and uh, i think that to that extent the counter push as you say is definitely underway there's no doubt about that it's no longer lonely in the minefield i can put it like that do you think uh you know you, you brought up the the trans issue and and it was just recently uh someone showed me that there was a a planned drag queen story hour for you know the, the argument, and I've seen this with other things, too. You've seen this with CRT, critical race theory, diversity, equity, inclusion in different manifestations where the initial the initial um, uh, talking points you get from the other side are along the lines of this isn't even happening. Why are you focused on this? Like, why, why are you yes. so obsessed with this? Right. That's a constant refrain. And because I think for a lot of people, um, they think, well, OK, maybe I am too focused and that, of course, serves the left's purpose because, well, if just fewer, if if fifty percent of the people who were wondering about this story all of a sudden think, well, I shouldn't care about this; it's not happening. That's a huge victory, right? So they don't even yeah. have to defend it if they convince everybody that it's not really happening or it's being exaggerated. Yeah. But with the drag story hour thing specifically, it, it has become clear to me that that the same way that you said you're a a mind clearer now for uh, conservatism or traditionalism or however, you know, you would like to, to describe it uh, on the left. It feels like the drag queen story hour thing is supposed to be similar in my mind, uh, similar, but different, similar insofar as they're just trying to see uh, my idea here, Douglas, if they can get more and more parents to think this is normal, they can get them to think anything is normal. Like if they can break you down so that you are bringing your four-year-old to clap and cheer for a a 35-year-old or 45-year-old man dressed as a woman shaking his butt in front of your child, they can get you to believe anything. Yeah. Um, by the way, I mean, I'm, I'm as, it well, as it were, quite well prepped for this because um, years ago I wrote a book on immigration and mass immigration, the illegal mass immigration movement into Europe. 
uh, and it obviously resonated with American readers, among others. But I was used to this rhetorical trick of the left from that book and from the years I wrote about and studied and traveled and followed the story of migration, because the left always said the following things. They said, it's not happening. Then it is happening, but you should like it. It is happening and you should put up with it. And then finally, it's revenge. So they would start out by just pretending that what I saw with my eyes across Europe was just not happening. And they would eventually end by saying, it is happening and you deserve it. It's like a punishment for your past, a punishment for colonialism. The empire strikes back, they used to say jokingly. Um, uh, so uh, I've seen exactly the same things happen in every other issue from the trans issue to the rewriting of America's uh, past. On the trans issue, they say um, it isn't happening, like the CRT thing, same thing. It isn't happening and it should be happening and it should be happening everywhere, but it isn't happening anywhere, but it ought to be. Right. Uh, and, I mean, it, this, just, I, I feel like. This is the definition of arguing in bad faith, right? You're yeah, making no, I mean, the arguments in defense of your position premised around there is no position to defend because it's not happening. But also, if it were happening, it would be a good thing. Right? I mean, it is, yes, it is the ultimate merry-go-round. completely circular logic. It's not really logic. It's just circular. Um, but but on, the, on, the, on the drag queen story hour, you see, it goes, if, if, by the way, the drag queen story hour was actually a sort of, as it were, actually innocent thing, which I'm sure sometimes it has been, akin to British panto, where there's a sort of absurd man dressed up in an absurd way, reading a story. I don't have much problem with that. And the thing that everyone has recognized as a problem is the, the stripper shaking the butt in front of the kids and being encouraged to put money into the thong. I mean, it's like, and, and again, that comes up and the left says, that's not happening. And then you go, but I've just seen it on a video. And they go, well, the video's from a right-wing source. Um, and then they say, and it should be happening. Yeah. Because it's an ancient part of LGBTQIA plus culture, which, as we know, has been going on for millennia in exactly this uh, format. I, I, and then, then row it on to the American story, and you get the same dishonesty. Look at what Nicole Hannah-Jones, who I had a spat with recently, the originator of the 1619 Project of the New York Times, look at what people like her did. She and her editor at the New York Times said, we, we want to reframe the date of America's founding. Then, when some of us said, we don't like the sound of that, they said, we never said that. What they did was, they took the, the words reframing of the American founding out of the original website and silently in a Stalinistic way uh, changed it. So then they could go, ha ha, we never said that. They go, you did say it, it's just that after the fact, you then edited it. And then they say, we don't actually want all children in America to be told that America's original sin is slavery. And at the same time, have a project which says that's precisely what we want to do. We want to totally rewrite the American story, to turn it from a story of heroism and, uh, and, and success and courage into a story of iniquity and vice and evil. But then they pretend it's not happening and also that it should happen everywhere. You know, it's, it's another thing that I think this is a little 
it's a little controversial. I love history. You love history, right? I read history books and have my entire life since I was a little kid for fun. I just think history books are, are a lot of fun. Most of the ones next to my war on the West, which everybody should get, by the way, I've got, I'm just looking across. We've got Coolidge, Andrew Jackson, Ethan Allen, Washington, Grant, a big book on strategy, a history of MI6, Spies and Commissars by Robert. Sir. I mean, anyway, point being like I go through those are mostly bi- that was my biography shelf. I was reading. But point being, I love all that stuff, right? One of the things you hear from the left, I think, is always around the issue of focus. And they'll say, well, those, there's far too much focus on on sort of Eurocentric history or, or you know, this the, the, the Western. It's really more even the Western civilization path. You know, you, you start in you know, ancient Egypt, and then you get some stuff going on, and what is Israel today? And then you move over, you know, you go to ancient Greece and ancient Rome, and then you find yourself in Europe, and oh, look at this, we discover America, that they object to this. But I always ask them, and I say, look, what would, what would an AP history course, and I say this in all honesty, what would an AP history course in the literature of pre-Columbian um, America, particularly, let's say, I don't know, you, you pick... Uh, you know, you pick a, a tribe in the American Southwest, what would that even look like? Like, how would you do this when you actually have a lot of societies? And I know this, this somehow is a controversial thing to say that didn't have written language. So, so mm. how are you going to do an in-depth history, you know, pre the years, obviously, of exploration and everything else? How are you going to do it? Yes, you can do archaeological history. And there's certainly and, I, and people say, but the Aztecs were such. By the way, the more people find out about Aztecs, the more they're like, oh, I don't oh, know yeah. if this. I don't know if this whole harmony with other tribes in the environment is really the the, uh, vibe we want to go for with the mass enslavement, human sacrifice, child sacrifice. Anyway, um, child sacrifice, something going on with Democrats these days, too, in America. But, uh, yeah, do you you see what I'm saying, though? Like, like we never get to talk about this. I mean, okay, you don't want to do ancient Greece. What, what, what do you want? If you're studying something in 800 B.C., okay, there are some options, Samaria, Middle East, whatever. But. What are you gonna? What are you gonna study? Mm. This was a point, by the way, that Alan Bloom made forty years ago now, in the closing of the American Mind, when he said, "If you're not going to have the Bible as the basis for your uh, civilization and uh, historical sort of and religious social perspective, you ought to have a book of equal seriousness and depth." And um, I liked this point because, of course, it summons up the question: Well, what would that be? And the answer is hard to think of another such book uh, to which you say precisely, right. precisely. Right. Um, now, it's the same thing with Western history and Western philosophy and all the things that are, Western culture, all the things that the left is trying to destroy at the moment. Uh, you, better ha- you better, if you want to do away with all that, you better have greater figures than the founding fathers for us to revere. You better have smarter men than Thomas Jefferson in your back pocket. You better have greater music than Bach's. You better have greater architecture than the cathedrals of Europe. And uh, you ought to have better literature than Shakespeare, Dostoevsky, and much more. Now, if you've got such a thing, fine. Very interested to hear it. Have you? No. Oh, I see. Uh, let me take the example that, of the one that's most terrifying, which I write about in The War in the West, of the way in which all this nonsense has gone into STEM subjects. Ask anyone um, what the other ways of knowing have produced. This is the idea that there is a Western-centric form of mathematics and others, other sci- and sci- hard sciences, and that they are so Western-centric that they must be disrupted 
by, quote, other ways of knowing. Here is, you just said you said a controversial thing. Let me throw out a more controversial thing. When you need um, a vaccine for a global pandemic, do you go to a Native American tribe and say, we would like you to use your other ways of knowing to come up with a vaccine? Does anyone go to the Aboriginal tribes of Australia and say, we need your mathematical formulae to get this plane off the ground? No, I'm afraid not. Now, this isn't, this isn't a white supremacist talking point. It's not a Western supremacist talking point. It's the observation that what we have is good, not because it's Western in itself, but because it works. Because the math works. Yeah, because, because being right. Society works. works. And, 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 and yeah, because being right is good. And the truth is good. And these things... Or I, I believe central to uh, what the left is trying to tear down. I want to. I, I have to uh, give a word to our sponsor, but but Douglas, just I want to put something out there. So you can think about it. Come back to. I do think that on the right, we we have woken up quite a bit. There's that word woke. We we have uh we have come to the realization of how much the left is is seeking to destroy. You mentioned the 1619 project and and all this stuff. And and I, I want to ask you about your tour of southern campuses um, in a moment. But I also think that there is an underestimation of how rapidly the left wants to build up or take over institutions and use them oh, yeah. to rule effectively, to to be in charge, to call the shots, irrespective. You know, we could sit here and talk about history. I also think that there's a, a lack of understanding of. So let me come back to that with you in a second. But got to tell everybody about the my pillows, Douglas. We got to get you some if you don't have uh, them already. The my do you have some my pillows at home? We're gonna hook you up. We're gonna get I, you. I, if you can, if you can give me a, um, a, a complimentary my pillow. Oh yes, sir. I, Ann Coulter was on here, and she said she did not have them. We had them delivered right to the to Coulter I'm Manor. I'm gonna so. find out about this man. Yeah. Okay. Great. We, we got to hook you up. So Mike Lindell's invented the original my pillow, but now twenty years later, the company's got this new technology for the my pillow 2.0, the patented adjustable fill of the same my pillow, but has a brand new exclusive fabric made with temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. You won't be tossing and turning looking for the cool part of the pillow anymore. The MyPillow 2.0 is a great deal right now. You can buy one and get one free for a limited time with promo code BUCK. That's promo code B-U-C-K at MyPillow.com. Check out the MyPillow 2.0. Carrie and I have them on the bed here in Florida. We absolutely love them. So it's 100% made in the USA, by the way. 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special square, buy one, get one free on the MyPillow 2.0 and use promo code BUCK, promo code B-U-C-K. All right, Douglas, we know they're trying to tear down. Are we not on the right aware enough of what they're trying to build and the platforms and the, the heights of our society that they have already seized? Yes, I think that's true. I think that it's come as an enormous shock to a lot of people in America as across the rest of the Western world. America is particularly in trouble, it seems to me, in terms of institutional capture. Um, uh, I think that if we had been talking back maybe 10 years ago even, um, we would have thought and other people on the American right would have thought that we had institutions still on our side. You know, um, I think we would have thought that the military, for instance, was obviously on our side. And that's not to deny that the the common soldier, as it were, is. But the top ranks of the military are on our side. I'm not sure if people feel that so much anymore. The intelligence agencies, 
10 years ago, I think we would have been talking about the CIA, FBI, yeah. NSA. And I think the most conservatives would have said, well, you know, these are our guys. Of course, they, they want to keep America safe. You know, guy, I, I just want to jump in. I don't want to I don't want to interrupt your train of thought just to tell you, though, that I was just talking to some CIA friends who are who have gotten out recently or about to get out. And we all bemoaned how in the early days of the GWAT, I mean, global war on terror, it was how do we how do we, you know, help find and then, you know, send in the seals. It's how do we help? Find the bad guys. Find bin Laden. You know, how do we do this? And that was the mission. We showed up every day. There was a mission, right? I was in the counterterrorism center of the Central Intelligence Agency, and it really wasn't. And now they say, oh, my gosh, you have no idea. It's politics all the time. It's yep. diversity and inclusion training. It's why don't we have more transgender analysts, et cetera. But anyway, keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, it, 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 it's um, and it seeps through everywhere. I mean, I, I wrote a bit of my New York Post column about this last week, but Look at this uh, this encounter between the two Russian fighter jets and an American drone over the Black Sea and what was international airspace. So they have no right to to knock down the American drone. But um, the Biden administration, the, the Pentagon, in its response, criticized the Russians for downing the drone in an, quote, environmentally unsafe manner. I mean, um, yeah. That's yeah. one of the problems of war, I guess. There, there may have been a, a sea otter down below that got sprayed with some oil exactly. from the uh, from, from you know, some jet fuel. Its eyes. Yeah, it's very sad. Um, very sad story, but not maybe the business of the World Wildlife Fund, not the business of the Pentagon, not at all. And the fact that the fact that we just time and again see, you know, formerly very serious institutions that we needed, and I would argue we need coming out with this kind of stuff on a routine basis is i think one of the most distressing things in our time it happened obviously in the universities a long time ago i cited alan bloom earlier we've known this problem for 40 years and more and it's only got worse you know conservatives have got better and better at diagnosing the problem and all the time the problem has got worse you know i want to tell you something i i i like to admit when i i think it's important for self-reflection and, and it you know it sort of sharpens your ability to see things coming when you didn't see something coming that you should have, I had because I left the CIA in 2011 and, and I have friends inside. I'd known the intel community was just progressively getting, first of all, I went through eight years of the Obama administration. But even beyond that, it just more of the whatever happens in the corporate world, people need to understand is reflected very much in the federal. The federal government is basically a massive corporation. That's how it operates as an employer. Yes. So all the same seminars and training, and actually it's probably worse at the government level because of a, a whole range of factors, the kind of people that want to do federal service. But anyway, I can get into that at length. The thing that surprised me was the, and it, we saw this during COVID and a variety of factors, but the Stalinism of the medical community caught me mm. completely off guard. And, and the, un, you know, the unwillingness of people to say, yep. this is madness. I, I am an MD and I'm telling you guys, this is crazy. They would tell me privately, not very many. Yes, I, I think that's uh, that's the last magisterium to have fallen is the medical community and, and, and medical science. Um, I, I, I've written this before, but in my view, one of the last authorities I was willing to hear from, actually willing to hear from and, and follow through on their advice was scientific your community yeah your doctor and so on and i think that a lot of us had a moment where we realized uh, actually okay that one's gone as well 
It was when the medical journals started publishing BLM stuff. It was when um, 2,000 health professionals signed that letter, I think in The Lancet, if I remember rightly, uh, after the death of George Floyd, having spent months telling us to stay inside our houses and not leave our houses, suddenly saying, actually, racism is a bigger public health crisis, and therefore you should all come out onto the streets and gather by the millions and mass yep. march. For a lot of us, that was one of the moments where you go, you know, I don't believe you guys anymore. Uh, I don't think you are these non-political, apolitical actors. I think you've become highly political actors, uh, like almost everyone else. And um, I think all of us saw something fall away in our trust in recent years. And that's not something I particularly celebrate. I think that conservatives should, should uh, be on the side of building up trust in institutions. It's a very strange thing in our time that it's conservatives who have lost trust in institutions and are now wondering what we do. And the answer of what to do is, is not straightforward, but broadly speaking, it's the old thing that it gathers around either building new institutions or trying to rescue the ones that have fallen into the bad. Uh, neither of these are cheap or easy. And I, I think it also showed itself with, uh, we, we'd known, you know, the Elon Musk uh, Twitter situation where you finally got to look inside at the guts of what was going on there. You and I and many others had known for years, but, but for people who weren't really operating in, in as on social media platforms as part of their profession, right. As part of their ability to, you know, this was a big deal. The president of the United States, when it was Donald Trump for four years, used Twitter as, as among his most consistent and effective tools of communication. Right. I mean, I, I, I still joke around about the one day I woke up and I think Trump had retweeted six of my tweets in a row because my timeline was, you know, all of a sudden the guy who was playing the hot dog vendor from Baywatch in 1992 was like cursing me out. I'm like, what's what's going on here? Like, it just was a crazy, you know, a crazy moment because it was such a mass communication, uh, mass communication platform at that time for Trump and for so many others. Uh, but I think it's good for everyone to see that the people that were operating these, again, pre-Elon, pre and it's the same thing at Facebook, it's probably worse even at YouTube because YouTube always has Google above it and like Alphabet, and they're basically telling everybody, we're the most powerful company in the world, we're a virtual printing press for money, what are you going to do to us? So they don't even care. Uh, at least, yeah. you know, Twitter wasn't running an effective business. Google, YouTube, no. they're still a printing press for money. But I think it's important yeah. for people to see that the most powerful tools of information dissemination in history were uh, tools of straight-up censorship and authoritarianism and partisanship. Yes. Yeah, and people saw this one by one. And, uh, um, you know, I said during the COVID period, with the BLM stuff and everything else going on, that the first, the first rule of the period, if, if, if one had one, was a very simple one, which is don't go mad. Um, uh, not everyone has followed this piece of advice on any side. But broadly speaking, you, you had to try to not go mad. Why were so many people going mad? Because they were being force-fed things that weren't true and which they sensed to be untrue, but they, they didn't know what was going on. Like, suddenly, you, you just get told all of these untrue things um, about things that, as I say, everyone knew till yesterday. Or, or let, me, let me do it this way. Go back 20 years. Let's, let's pretend we're at the beginning of the millennium. We're, 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 we've got the internet. We've got this amazing tool for social 
um, discovery, for um, interpersonal discovery, of of learning, of, of uh, almost every book is free online. Uh, all news pretty much is free online. It's amazing. You can you can speak to anyone on the other side of the world. Like what good couldn't be done with this sort of technology? You fast forward to twenty twenty three. And we don't know what a woman is, and we don't know when America was founded. In other words, we've got stupider. Um, the tools for mass communication and learning and the dissemination of ideas have made us dumber uh, than we used to be. And there's a societal cost to that. And uh, my hope is that we're starting to see that cost rather clearer. I'm thinking of things like the collapse of SVB and um, Signature and, and, and others, now Credit Suisse. Um, these, these were unthinkable collapses only a while ago, but you know, they're not, it's not the only explanation for the collapse, but look at what these, these banks were doing. Look at, at, at Silicon Valley banks loan, uh, uh, promises. It's promised that it was going to loan more to minorities to get a more equitable America at the end of it. I mean, anyone recognize that from the 2008, uh, crisis, um, the idea that, that Silicon Valley Bank had only one member of its board who was competent in finance and that the others were democratic donors and appointees. Um, you know, I, I joked uh, in, I think, in the madness of crowds that some, someday we, uh, uh, the bridges will fall down. Um, and uh, um, that's when we'll realize we don't have time for this rubbish. Uh, since then, I've come to the belief that if the bridges do fall down, it'll be because of systemic racism. But the bridges are still up, but the banks are not. The, the banks are falling and turn out to be, among other things, falling because they haven't had their eye on the ball. They've been playing this stupid, unwinnable game of the era about diversity, uh, inclusion and equity. And uh, what's it brought them? They pretended like everyone else, like everyone in the American education system from Randy Weingarten down or Randy Weingarten up, whatever way you like to think of it. Um, they've pretended the same thing, which is that if you do the diversity, inclusion, equity thing, the other side is even better. It's much better, infinitely better, richer, fairer. Everything's better. Everywhere you try this, everything becomes worse. Yes. Does no one and want to reflect on that? Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel, hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. GovX donates a portion of every order to nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. Your orders make a meaningful impact. You can become a member in seconds. Signing up is fast and free. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. That's G-O-V-X.com. Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX. That's GovX. Code CLAY. G-O-V-X-C-L-A-Y savings for those who serve. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to the Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. He sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, and he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave Major Turnbull a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the Foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's severely injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. And can I tell you that one thing that I saw um, as a New Yorker, former New Yorker now, Douglas, so I uh, got to put the pressure on you there, Chief. Um, <laughs> but as a, uh, as a New Yorker, one thing that I saw that really was troubling, and it, was, it wasn't just COVID, it was that whole, that whole series of, of events where it was COVID and then uh, the you know, BLM riots in the streets and then the rising crime and the decay and, and the problems that were happening in cities. I, name a major city. It happened basically everywhere in the country yeah. with actually the exception of a few big cities in Florida, maybe a few other places. And what I realized was that the, uh, the Democrat response to this wasn't, oh my gosh, what have we done? We're crazy. We're, we're tearing down what we have here is in the case of New York, I mean, San Francisco is like yeah. it should be paradise, right? I mean, you know, Los Angeles; these are places that should just be, and they have been in the past. It's not like some theory. I mean, I, I talk about how I used to watch Full House, and I wanted to live in a big house in San Francisco when I was a kid. Like all the, I don't know if you know the show. You're British, but you know, Full House is a big show, and uh, it's like our faulty towers, but with kids instead of adults. And so, you know, now they've ruined these places. But the response, and I, I know I'm kind of getting a going a roundabout way, but the response wasn't. Oh my God, we got to fix this right away. It was from a lot of people. This is the price we pay. This is this a more equitable society yes. requires this suffering and degradation. Yes, you can actually occasionally in private get them to admit that that's their belief. Is that there's a period of pain before the arrival of Nirvana. Um, so that, for instance, uh, I mean, there's a story I've been following quite closely here in New York about the migrant buses that are. That, that arrive in New York and the New York authorities don't know what to do with the migrants and they put them up in hotels and then the migrants do generally trash the hotels or at least 
make them into not so luxurious places as they were before. And uh, it, whenever you follow this story, and by the way, New York is struggling with a few thousand migrants. You know, I mean, now it's it's, it's like 40,000, right? Something like that. Yeah, 40,000. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's only uh, I mean, uh, there's a, a number of days of arrival into Texas across the southern border. So, you know, if New York can't cope with a few days of, of, of illegal movement into Texas or Arizona, then you know, what, 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 then there must be a problem, mustn't there, guys? You know, um, but but here's the thing about about that is that they they recognize it's a problem. They recognize that the problem is going to grow and grow, and they don't come to any conclusions about it, such as close the border or send people back when they come illegally. Um, uh, it's the same with homelessness issue. Uh, the homelessness can get worse and worse and worse. You, 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 New York's bad, but as you say, uh, Los Angeles, um, uh, San Francisco, places like Portland, places like Seattle. These were once very beautiful and noble cities, and I've seen them in that guise. Not anymore. And again, in, in private, you can, you can sometimes get the, the advocates of this DEI stuff to say, look, of course, there's going to be this churn for a period. But it's worth it. And my, my argument is, 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 my riposte is always as follows. Show me the one place this has worked, and let's be certain it worked for this reason before we roll out the same policy everywhere. You know, it's, they it's can't in, point to it. I, I wish there was more, um, more effort spent for people in this country to understand the recent history. You know, you talk about the Soviet Union, you talk about something which, you know, I find the Soviet Union fascinating. I know you do the history of it and, and how how could that have happened? I mean, it's it's a remarkable intellectual, philosophical, political and historical exercise to see how a place could fall into that kind of, of, of tyranny and it, and it spread around the world in so many ways. Um, but with the case of Venezuela, especially again, being down here yeah. in South Florida, People need to understand that what really happened in Venezuela was social justice rabble rousers took over the country, promising that they were going to give a lot of stuff to people for free. And they actually just enriched themselves. And this is what always communists are always rich, right? Meaning the top of the, you know, the, the top of the socialist hierarchy. They're always fine. They always do great. And they impoverished and destroyed a beautiful country that was and all the Venezuelans you meet here, all of them talk about this. And it somehow doesn't yeah. get any, you know, I would love to hear well, a AOC explain how how taking a Venezuela approach to anything, a city, a state or even all of America would be a good idea. I would love to hear that. Explanation. Yeah, here's, 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 here's uh, very quickly. I mean, the, the, it's sometimes regarded now as a cliche to quote George Orwell, but it's also often impossible not to. There's a great story of George Orwell arguing with a Stalinist in the 40s uh, in England. And uh, George Orwell gets him to admit that, you know, there's been certain excesses in the Stalinist uh, movement and that maybe the, 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 the famines in Ukraine, you know, weren't ideal. And eventually he the, the communist uh, Stalinist concedes this. Uh, he eventually concedes the show trials of 37, the mass uh, ridiculous uh, show trials, which led to so many deaths and murders and the gulags. He, he gets this guy to admit to a lot of this. And eventually the, the Stalinist falls back on that worst defense of all. He says, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. Right. And Orwell replied, where's the omelet? The, the same question is begging 
from Venezuela, from every country which has tried actual socialism. Where's your omelette at the end of this? Because we only see a mass of bloody broken eggs among much else. That's all we can see. Venezuela today, my Venezuelan friends can't return, most of them, the ones who have left and settled elsewhere illegally. They can't return for sheer safety reasons to their country of birth. Um, uh, this happened in our lifetimes. This happened in our lifetimes. And it was the choice. This is the crucial thing. This was the choice of, of politicians who were put there by people who were badly, badly informed, to put it at its mildest. Venezuela has the same energy reserves as Norway. Norway has one of the biggest sovereign wealth funds in the world. There is a reason why Norway is Norway and Venezuela is Venezuela. And it's because the Norwegians were more careful with their society. Yeah. And if we don't learn from that, more fool us. I want to ask you about your tour, Douglas, in southern, uh, southern campuses to close us out here in a second. But first, a word from Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Tunnel to Towers Foundation honors America's heroes ever since 9-11. The foundation honors fallen and severely injured heroes and their families with mortgage-free homes. This year alone, hundreds of Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and our nation's most severely injured veterans and first responders are receiving homes. More than 500 homeless veterans received housing and services last year, and more than 1,500 are receiving housing and services this year. And this coming Memorial Day, all of the brave men and women lost since 9-11 in the war on terror are having their names read aloud in a Tunnel to Towers ceremony in our nation's capital. Through the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute, the foundation is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Please help America to never forget its greatest heroes. Join me in donating $11 a month at Tunnel to Towers. That's T2T.org. T, the number two, T.org. Douglas, you made a tour of Southern campuses. Sounds like a lot of fun. Hopefully a lot of uh, Clay and Buck radio fans down there, um, uh, you know, carrying red solo cups with uh, floppy hair, loving their SEC football teams. So <laughs> tell me, how was it? What'd you see? Yeah, I was in the, I was in the Carolinas and uh, Virginia. And um, uh, one of the highlights was speaking at uh, the University of Virginia, and which I'd never been to for the first time. It's of course one of the, great creations of Thomas Jefferson. Um, uh, I was very struck by a number of things. Uh, one was um, the extent to which America is just so confused about its history and has been so badly misinformed about it. And sometimes perhaps it takes an ostentatious outsider to point some things out. But the way in which, for instance, at UVA, one met so many people who genuinely have been brought up to despise the founder of not only their country, but the institution that they're learning in. Um, the inability to get the past into a proper context, to get historical figures into a proper context, the presentism uh, that, that is everywhere in America, that if if people from the past happen not to share our particular views in 2023, then we must stand as judge, jury, and executioner over them. This is, this is wildly ahistorical, and it's also presumptuous, I think. But I found a lot of that was going on. And another thing I found was the disturbing timidity of a lot of students. There are so many, there's no shortage of smart students in America, you know, um, far from it. Um, but there is a timidity which has crept in because of the, the danger, effectively, of putting out there 
things which I use the phrase again, but things which we all knew until yesterday. Um, if you were to deny the lived experience of a, of a fellow student on campus, I hate these terms like lived experience. They're more Marxist nonsense. I mean, what other type of experience is there than a lived experience? I mean, I mean, there are imaginary Right, it's, ones, it's to give it that pseudo-scientific Marxist, you know, yeah. shine, facade over. It's your lived experience as opposed to your... Okay. Oh, experience okay. yes exactly you know it, it's it, it 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 it's more of the sort of social justice bunkum but um but yeah I, I you know if you were to deny the you know or contradict the lived experience of a fellow student by doing something quite straightforward like saying well you know okay we had slavery in america well everyone has slavery uh, i mean if you were to take that attitude which is a perfectly reasonable attitude to take You'd have to be a sort of kamikaze of a student uh, to, to do such a thing, uh, to say, well, you know, um, uh, the African states that were slaving at the same time as America was slaving uh, didn't stop when America stopped. They kept slaving. Uh, I was in Boston the other day, and I went to, to the Boston Fine Arts Museum after speaking to some friends at Harvard and MIT. And... Um, I, uh, I, there were some Benin bronzes, which have become one of those corners of history that have become highly controversial. I joked to my friend, let's go and see the Benin bronzes whilst they're still here in Boston, uh, because they'll probably be uh, sent back at some point. There's a big move for this sort of thing. And it was so funny, because I said to this friend, it's so interesting that wh whatever institution you go to, whether it's in London or in Washington or in Boston, and you, you see these sorts of historic uh, exhibitions, They'll tell you all about the slavery of the American past. They will not tell you that Benin was still slaving at the time that the bronzes were being allegedly looted in the late 19th, I, 30, 20th, 20th century. I, well, I those think, sort of things matter. Yeah. Um, well, first, you know, you might have seen, I, I was stuck on an airplane for uh, like almost 13 hours recently um, uh, on my honeymoon. So, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like tough duty, but... I had to find something to watch, so I watched the woman, the woman king, which is about um, a a tribe in Africa um, that is actually notorious for being a a, tri a tribe that would enslave all these other tribes. And of course, in the movie, they're fighting against the evil, you know, white slavers and this other tribe that wants to do the slave, but they're actually not. But the truth is, they were actually doing the doing the enslaving, and you get. Right. No sense of that whatsoever from the movie. You get no sense no, that they wouldn't. were th the most well-known slave-raiding African tribe of other African right. tribes is who the movie is based on. And no don't, one, no one seems... Don't, don't you long for art and movies and, and things that actually trust us to deal with complexity? You know, I mean, um, I, I find it pretty hard to watch anything these days that's, that's just been made because of the sheer sort of social indoctrination that's always going on i just finished the last of us uh, i wasn't sorry to see it end um but uh, th this sort of apocalyptic drama of course inevitably tells you that after a sort of apocalyptic virus in america uh, the re residual sort of camps of gun-toting americans will be led mainly by women and uh, mainly by women of color who tell all the men what to do and get, get well this is just sort of social indoctrination at this point. And that's the same in almost all entertainment. I would love to see a film that actually exposed the uh, way in which people like the, the Obar of Benin uh, slaved into the 20th century 
I'd love to see something on slavery in the world today. I've, I, I've, I've traveled enough around Africa and the Middle East to meet people who were born as slaves. Uh, it's an appalling thing. There are more slaves in the world today than there were at the height of the slave trade in the 19th century. Um, I'd love to see something about that made yeah. by Netflix or Hollywood. I'd love them to show the pre-Columbian Americas as something other than this Edenic paradise, which was then ruined by the white European coming in. Yeah. Uh, but they seem to not be able to trust us with it. We've just got to get this endless sort of um, uh, indoctrination that's essentially, my problem with it is not just that it's untrue, but that it's boring. Yes. Uh, well, you would find The Woman King boring, by the way. Very boring. Uh, so just put that out there. It. It, is not, it is not really worth, uh, and it's all about, it's like I said, it's all about the Dahomey tribe. Um, and uh, I think it's also interesting because there's, there's the Agoji are the, female this is why it's so interesting to hollywood the female black warrior cast within the dahomey tribe and and you're led to believe that these are basically like the female spartans of of west africa yeah. um what they don't deal with in the movie is that a uh, basically a minor later on i mean they tried to fight against i believe it was a uh, french uh french colonial expansion and like a minor french expeditionary force just completely annihilated them off the battlefield i mean no, no surprise here right but this notion of this this truly elite no they were a, a an elite force at the enslavement of fellow africans including women and children that's yeah, what they were actually brilliant that. that's what that's yes. what they were elite at doing actually dealing with other trained military was not you know they are not the spartans but again the history yeah. you're not allowed to talk about the real history um yeah so because again of this stupid thing like you watch any entertainment now and there's always got to be the strong woman narrative because you've got to tell young girls in America, nothing can hold you down. You can be a tough gang leader if you want to be. You can even be a bank robber if you want to be. Uh, um, there's always got to be the strong woman narrative. There's always got to be the, the over-representation of gays. There's always got to be um, the, uh, the ethnic politics uh, a bit into the mix. And as I say, I mean, there are a few things that have avoided this. White Lotus maybe is one of the few. But most drama today, you can predict from the get-go who is going to live, who is going to die, who is going to be the leader, and who is going to be the loser. And you can tell it just by looking at, frankly, what chromosomes you guess they have and what their skin color is. It's very boring. You know, I, I long for not being able to guess so easily how the whole thing's going to pan out. You know, it's always interesting to see how many people will um, jump at you for saying things that go against this uh, this narrative without knowing the facts. But they just know that the emotional impulse is supposed to be a certain thing. Right. So it doesn't matter oh, yeah. if they know anything about the subject matter. But so when I'll when I'll say that we fought our first foreign war because of the enslavement of white yes. people by brown Arabs. Yeah. Right. That is what happened. When I say we fought our first foreign war, people will, you will see, especially if you say it around, you know, college, college age radicals. Oh, that's such a lie. And it's not, it is a hundred percent true. Right? So it is, it is as, well, as true as anything that we can know in our history, but people don't yeah. like to hear it. I'd ask you this, how many of the, I mean, were you, so were you giving speeches up on stage and taking Q and a basically yeah, yeah. at some of these campuses? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever bring up, I'm just wondering, did you ever bring up in the discussions about, um, just giving a full picture of slavery and and the his, history around it and history that is just true slavery is evil you agree i agree everybody agrees slavery is evil yeah. was there ever any mention though or do you think they would even allow you to mention 
that there were freed blacks who owned slaves in the American South. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a point, point I, I, I try to bring up with some regularity. Um, it's, very, it's a very important detail. Um, and it's not a small one, actually, either. The numbers are pretty significant. Um, the, uh, I'm deeply concerned about the, the counter story that is being told about America because I think it is making people racist about, against white people, which is as evil as it would be if you invented a narrative that made racism easier to, uh, to express against black people or anyone else. I think that racism is evil every which way it's pointed. And I think that this particular form of, of racism is only white people can do bad. And therefore, if the white people shut up or um, dial it down or do less in their lives, you know, hand over the microphone, all this sort of nonsense you hear, uh, then, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's where we'll get to the good. And here's my, here's my real worry about this. As a society, it is incredibly important that America remains dominant and competitive in the 21st century. We know that if it doesn't, there are others, mainly China, who will step into the, into the, that role. Uh, China is obviously trying to do that on the international stage at the moment. It sees an opening and it's trying to seize it. It will try to do it on every stage. Here's the thing. Most of us, I think, from right and left, if we take away the, the crassness of parts of both sides, pretty much agree that what we want is for America to be highly competitive. And for America to be highly competitive, Americans should be freed up to achieve whatever they can achieve in their lives and use their talents to the best of their abilities. Now, here's the thing. If we said, except women, then first of all, you would say, well, that's kind of bigoted. But secondly, you'd say, why would you want to like, hold back half of the population from achieving stuff? That's madness. What if you said, we want to hold back Hispanics from doing stuff? You'd say, Hispanic Americans, why would you do that? These would be bad ideas. The worst idea of all is to try to hold back your majority population from achieving whatever they can achieve by marking people down because they're white for university entry and other things, by telling them to shut up in their lives, by telling them that they've got to hand over the space to people of other ethnicities or other sexualities or sexual orientations or whatever. If America is going to succeed in the 21st century and all freedom around the world relies on, on this, all free societies around the world rely on America remaining dominant. If America's to remain dominant, it has to be competitive in every field. And for that to happen, absolutely everybody has to have the best opportunities they can to fulfill their, their potential in this life. To demoralize the majority of the population, to tell men that they are trash, to tell white people that they are guilty from birth by dint of being white, all of these things are profound evils. And what's more, they are going to diminish the ability of people in America to achieve what they should achieve. So it is a simple suicide note that the left is offering us. And I suggest very, very strongly as an interloper that we don't accept their invitation. Douglas, before I let you go, I often get people who ask, 
after a conversation like this, well, give us something, give us some takeaways. And usually it's give us some books. In the uh, realm of big name historians right now, unfortunately, even in the biography side, as you know, there are not nearly enough, to say they're conservatives, I think, is even going too far, but just, just pure historians. And there are more and more revisionist, leftist, um, uh, politicized histories being written all, all the time. If we were to just give, if you were to give a few names of people for whom you can read the history and it's just damn good history. And it's not actually history well done for you. Who would be a few names that come to mind? Well, let, let me circumvent that. I'm a great ad advocate of book reading, but let me circumvent it by making it even tighter suggestion. I recently did a series called Uncancelled History. It's available free on YouTube and uh, on various other platforms, uh, Spotify and so on. Uncancelled History. You will see me interviewing 10 leading historians on major historical figures who have been misrepresented in recent years. Uh, including the wonderful Gene Yarbrough on Thomas Jefferson, um, Alan Gelzo on Washington, um, uh, uh, Felipe Fernandez Amesto on Columbus, um, uh, Jonathan Horn on Robert E. Lee, um, and, and more. And each of them are roughly an hour, sometimes a little over, sometimes a little under. And uh, I did it because I wanted to, to, to get, whilst we still have them, experts in the American past in particular, who really know their subject, not studies within the sociological aspects of, but the facts. I wanted to get all these people on camera and it was, they were all absolutely fascinating conversations with top rank historians. I can't recommend it highly enough. I learned a huge amount from it and, and I, I really hope other people do too. I will check it out uh, myself, actually. It is uncanny. By the way, I'm gonna say, you stuck the landing on that answer, buddy. I wasn't expecting, I don't know where we we're going, but bam, I'll get, I'll get it a 9.9. Um, uncanceled history on YouTube. That's just what you have to look for. Yeah. yeah. Uncanceled history on YouTube, everybody. Check that out and also get Douglas's latest book, The War on the West, which I have read and I highly, highly recommend to all of you. Douglas, appreciate you making the time. I hope you'll come back later this year. We'll have a lot to talk about. I'd love that. Much enjoyed it. Thank all you. All the best. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young kids, builds specially adapted smart homes for severely injured veterans, and is working to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He has never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades-in-arms, nor the efforts of his first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel of Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. 
Join the foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.